When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clint. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the final episode of Season 2 of the Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Clem, alongside my number two, Mr. Kevin Langley. It's, folks, it's been a hell of a ride this season, and, you know, it was a crazy game last night. So, you know, I had the pleasure of watching it with two of my boys. One's a Giants fan, and one, of course, unfortunately, Chris is a Niners fan. And... Before we start breaking down what we thought of the game, I just uh, it lived up to the hype. Everything the commercials were good. The commercials weren't like great, but they were good. And the halftime show was good, and uh, the game was amazing. So the halftime it, show was phenomenal. Oh yeah, I know. I, I we didn't have the we didn't have the music on, but we had like the TV on. We had a music. We had we were blasting rap music in the kitchen, and we were just hanging out and drinking. And we like look over. And we we just kind of watched from the, my kitchen, watching the movie, watching the. Uh, Watching J Lo and Shakira move, we really listened to music though, but the visually, music made it a thousand times better. I know I might, I mean I've seen like TikToks and stuff of it today. It looks great. So I mean, but you know I had a great time last night. I enjoyed it. I had way my 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 buddies are bad influences and I did way too much uh, Fireball Henny and beer. So uh, uh, woke up feeling like a million bucks this morning. So sounds like a winning combo. Oh my god, it was great. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and the fact that overseas in my Cajun wings, they were, like, deadly. Ugh. But, uh, you know, that's what happens when you're trying to recipe. So, yeah, Kev. Uh, 40, of course, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, winning 31-20. to um, Fun Super Bowl. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, in Patrick Mahomes fashion, didn't show up until after halftime, as it has been the, the case this entire postseason. Um I said on Friday the one thing I was worried about was how was Marty how was uh how was uh, Shanahan's play calling going to look after half if they have the lead and I was right you know like I don't want to like be like oh I told you so it was more like I wanted to get it right and I actually for once actually got the Super Bowl right I said if they can't get to Mahomes late it's going to be a problem and he started hitting throws and that. That Kelsey touch, that throw to Watt, what was it? Watkins the set on the drive when they when they on the uh, the Kelsey touchdown drive. That throw to Watkins, I'm like, up oh, up oh, here he goes. And then the throw to your boy Tyreek Hill was, ju- I'm just like, God damn, all right, it's happening. I was like, here comes the avalanche. What was uh, your thoughts initially on the on the game yesterday? It reminded me of the. 2002 Western Conference Finals in the in the NBA. All right. The league had an outcome they wanted, and they made sure the officiating was called that way. Oh, here we go. That throw to Sammy Watkins, I think that was the 44-yard pass, right? No, that was a Tyreek Hill one. 
That was a Tyreek Hill one. Okay, either way, the receiver doesn't matter. Nick Bosa beat the lineman off the jump and got held the entire time, put in a headlock at the end, and they didn't call it. Um, Chiefs in their own end zone didn't call a holding on Nick Bosa again. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is going out of bounds. Oh, yeah, that was a cheap shot. That should have been called. Hit as he was going out, which is called unnecessary roughness every time when it's a quarterback. And right before that, there should have been another penalty because the Chiefs DN, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce, jumped off sides. And then on that same drive, a Chiefs defensive player came in head first and helmet to helmet on Jimmy Garoppolo didn't call that either. Yeah. Also, let's not forget the OPI on Greg George on George Kittle, which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because they weren't gonna they they gotta be consistent. They're not gonna call it on the Kyle Rudolph call. They got they gotta not call it on the Kittle call. And I mean, I think I think it is OPI both times. But yes, if you're not gonna call it on that Rudolph touchdown, you can't call it then in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And especially in the Super Bowl. Like if it was the NFC title game, they probably could have gotten away with it a little easier. But it's the issue this was like, that's the like issue. the 2017 Super Bowl when they changed the rules they were calling. Yeah, because that Corey Clement touchdown shouldn't have counted, but it did. So it's all right. We we were the team of destiny that year, but you guys were the better team. Um, so, uh, basically, the one thing I did, I will give you that the calls were leaning towards Kansas City so hard, but leaning they didn't get an they didn't get called for holding the entire game. No, fair enough. And I know I tried to not look at it from that angle. So I was trying to enjoy the game. And the fact is, then that last drive, that that pick by Kendall Fuller, I after the the Damian Williams touchdown, the first one, which I swear he was a half a hair from stepping out of bounds. And um, he did step out of bounds. Nah, now when you look from the angle, his toe isn't hitting the white. It's over it, but it's not because you know how the shoe curves. It's not on. It wasn't on the. It wasn't on the white. But um, they would have probably scored either way on the next player too. They were just so good in the red, in the red zone. I don't know. It just looked like yes, the calls were all going uh, Kansas City's way, but San Fran just looked like they did not want to be there in the fourth quarter. And the, I mean, yes, the defensive line was getting after, was getting after Mahomes, and the you know they were, they were holding and stuff like that. But the one, the biggest thing I saw was it seemed like the play calling had changed too. And I just it felt like there was less aggressiveness, and they didn't even start throwing the ball down the field. I don't, it just it felt like the the I didn't see any pizzazz. The only person on that on that off on that Niners offense who looked like they wanted it was Morissette and Coleman were trying to barrel through everybody and Kittle, but. You know, they couldn't get the ball downfield to kill half the time. And then the other – and then when they hand off to Morissette and Coleman, they get eight yards and it would be an incompletion. Or Jimmy G get run out of bounds. They were trying to be too cute. I, it's not as – it's not even as close to how bad McVay performed last year. But it just – it was kind of – I wanted a little more offense from the other side of the ball, and it really sucked how, like, the game – because I had to watch my buddy just basically just, like, sit there like – like, just, like, awestruck. But also – Shout out to Kyle Juszczyk for the brand fullback scoring touchdowns. You got to love it. Uh, I don't know. Just to me, overall, it just felt like if you want to call it rigged or whatever, say the ref calls would regardless. I fell at halftime the second Mahomes hit that throw to Hill. I think it was on the walk-in throw that uh, Bosa got held. It wasn't the Mahomes. Because um, 
Bosa basically hit Mahomes as he was throwing it on the on the on the hill up and out. Yeah, no, it was the Watkins one. Yeah. So that Tyreek Hill throw, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh hell. I'm looking at my boy. I didn't want to tell him, but I'm like, that's gonna be a problem. Because that's the thing with Mahomes. His whole game is like it's a tidal, it's a tsunami tidal wave. It's just an overwhelming ability of he's probably the most talented. He's definitely the most talented quarterback in the league, and you see it. Calls or not, when basically he's basically, you know, he's run out of the pocket. He's got Tyreek Hill 45 yards down the field and just drops it in there. And Hill, probably one of the more instinctual receivers in the league, found the soft spot in that zone deep, that cover three. And for those who don't know, cover three is three defensive backs across the top of the defense with various levels in between. And basically Tyreek Hill found the soft spot in an up and out, which is a post into a corner route, which looks like a big question mark. And uh, basically, yeah, it was a great throw, and I'm like, oh hell, there it is. And the I'm not saying Chiefs actually got the ball going, running. I mean, yes, half of it was that 45 yard run by Williams to kind of ice the game, but they were trying to move the ball, and they weren't trying to just chuck it deep every time, which I thought was a really interesting play call wise. And I'm not and saying I'm not- that the Chiefs definitely would have won, or the 49ers definitely would have won without those bad calls. But there's I've been on the record saying this for years now. You don't want you don't want to be able to point to officiating and go, oh that could yeah. decide the game. Oh that side of the game. Regardless, like it was with the um the Saints Rams pass interference yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. People argued, well that doesn't mean the Saints definitely would have won. Well, first off, there was like um there was not a lot of time left in there. Oh, would I no I don't I never argue that with you because I knew that. No, were I know not you, but people yeah. have Pat. Well, that's also our loyal listener, Pat, who just loves to argue for the sake of arguing. That's why I called him out by name. But, like, you never want to be able to say that was a deciding factor in the game if it has to do with a call or a non-call. Well, with that, with that game, and there's there's an old quote by Jimmy Johnson when he was coaching Miami. When they lost, they went into Notre Dame, and they got a BS uh, touchdown call. The ball hit the ground, and the guy was down, and the, and the ball got kicked. It was a fumble. So it was some call. It was actually during the 30 for 30 they had for Miami. And... Basically, Johnson was quoted as saying, when you're going into X place, this time being South Bend, don't leave it up to the refs to win the game. And that's the only thing I can look at this is calls are going to get blown. And that's why when they say the refs blew it, as much as I hate when they say this, I'll I'll make a chirp about it. But in the back of my head, I know the team shouldn't be – if the team handles their business, they shouldn't be in that position. Whereas the Niners – who are the better team top to bottom with the exception of maybe quarterback and receivers and head coaching now, as it showed. Basically, they should have taken care of business, but Kyle Shanahan's play calling looked like he looked like he's underprepared. He looked like he was still assuming he was going to take on the Chiefs defense that got lit up time after time again during the regular season. And the Chiefs' run defense looked incredible whole game like you rarely saw Morset or um coleman break anything long and it just looked like the niners just weren't ready it was a slow like th- th- it was a slow game in the first half like you know the chiefs looked like you know their usual first half sluggishness but andy reed the future hall of famer that he is is known for his second half adjustments what he's always been good at and you saw it their play calling changed, and they started getting aggressive down the field because it was a tie ball game in half. And honestly, how with how bad 
the the uh, the Chiefs were playing in the first half. Being tied at half is not – the Niners should have been up by more. And I think they – their play calling and they – like I, I'm just going to reiterate, never leave it up to the refs. And that's why I have no sympathy for the Saints because they had three chances to put away the Rams after that and they couldn't. It still wouldn't matter. The Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl anyway, but – I think it's ridiculous. Like you can say, don't don't leave it up to the rest all you want. If it's one or two calls, when it's three calls on one drive they missed, a holding when the Chiefs are in their end zone, and another holding they didn't call that gave up a 44 yard pass. That's not you not doing your business. That's the rest either being off. I don't think the refs were bad for that game. I don't. I think they went in with a job to do, and they did it. They executed it perfectly. So you think that this goes up to the top of the top of the ladder? Yeah. See, I also could put up for the case one because you know my various applications at NFL Network that could be withheld from my comments here for some off reason. But all I'm saying is that we have no proof of such things happening, and I personally am not accusing of anything like that. Kevin might be, but Kevin also has a career. Me, I'm still trying to get mine started. Um. I have, like, many opinions about this that I'm working on writing something about. I mean, I'm all for Doritos and hearing it. Personally, for me, I just – the Niners had such a better team. And, yes, a lot of those calls, but there were also times in that drive that could have stopped them. And that's when I'm just kind of like – you can blame a hold all you up, but there's still four or five other guys chasing Mahomes, and then we're getting home. But when your and, best pass rusher is getting held – I know, but there's still three other – good to elite passers on that line. So that's why I'm just saying, like, yes, they got Bosa got held a lot during that game, but there's also three other guys, Armstead, Buckner, Ford, and the other guy whose name I cannot pronounce, like you said, or that the Chiefs guy, whatever. It doesn't matter. They had a fifth guy, a fifth rusher that they've rotated in. I just, it's not, I don't know, it's, it, it puts them in a weird position only, be, it puts them in a weird position only because, like, Yes, they were blown calls, but at the same time, the their play calling shot was what really killed them. Because when they got back on offense, it was like they were playing. They still like it was they they called plays like they were still ahead until the very last drive when they started getting aggressive. The only non-aggressive, the only aggressive play they made was that shot play to Kittle, which shouldn't have been OPI. But and after that, it was like they panicked. After that, it was like they panicked, and the play off, that was awful. I think so. part of it, though, is um, Kyle Shanahan, for the last three years now, has heard how you know he was up by so much, and he didn't run the ball. And so he's going to try and play it safe instead of trying to put up more points and really put the game away. I mean, that's also trying to read the situation. So in Yeah, this and case, I understand you have to find a happy medium, but I kind I mean, of – I'm saying I understand I, why. Oh, no, no, I see your point completely, and the thing is, like, I looked – for like if okay so Kev we're I'm Kyle Shanahan I'm lining up it's 10 10 and a half and I'm getting the ball the first thing I'm doing is I want to establish the run it wasn't working get the ball to my tight end they didn't I didn't see them at least they didn't get the ball downfield to Kittle until that la, until the second to last drive of the game it looked like they were trying to do all this cutesy stuff with the passing and the end of rounds and the rushing it wasn't working and they didn't just say okay. We have a good quarterback, we have good receivers, and an all-pro tight end, and a good offensive line. Let's try to move the ball old school. Like, 
you know, drop back, throw the ball down the field. And they just didn't do it. They were just, there was still like all these end of rounds and QB bootlegs and all this stuff that wasn't working. And the, the, then the Chiefs would get the ball back and move down the field and score. And then by the time they started actually getting aggressive and chucking the ball downfield, it was too late. And then with a Kendall Fuller interception, which was a bad throw. And it was in the double coverage, but I think it was the only throw it could make at that point. Yeah, once you get to that point, you just got to try and get it up there and see if I mean, he threw it to the, oh, also, that's Sanders' throw. That I that was the throw. I'm like, oh, here it is. That was the throw. I knew the game was base, was going to be over because Sanders had um, what's his face beat. I think he had yeah, it was Kendall. He had Kendall Ford beat like right off the ball, or it might have been Breland. I can't, it was it was one of the corners. He had Breland or Fuller beat right off the ball, and Jimmy G overthrown by ten yards. And I'm just like, oh, you gotta be kidding me, because that's a walking touchdown. And now we're t- we might have a different conversation this morning, this afternoon at this point. But I don't know. Just the game to me. Before we move on, reflecting on uh, going forward with the uh, the rest of the season and what we're excited for for uh, the 2020 season. I don't know, just it, I, I don't know. Just I I hated that this is how it happened because I really felt bad sitting next to my best friend watching him basically just. Not being able to look at the screen. The poor kid, I, I felt so bad. But you know what? Both – it was the two best teams. It was honestly the Super Bowl I wanted to see. Because I feel if the Ravens went in there, yeah, it would have been higher scoring. But also Lamar – Andy Reid would have – you would have given Steve Spagnuolo two weeks to figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson. I don't know. It's This is the best possible Super Bowl. But um, we have some have headlines quick. Oh, you want one more thing? I'm seeing on Facebook and Twitter like – Oh, there, there was a meme from um, Infinity War where it's Red Skull and it's like, I guide others to a pre- treasure I can't possess. And it's the Dolphins logo on his face because they beat the Patriots in Week 17, taking away home field advantage. The Patriots weren't making it to the Super Bowl this year. If they went up against the Ravens, they were going to lose. If they went up against the Chiefs, they were probably going to lose. That offense couldn't do anything. Who is this a meme of? Uh, from Infinity War, when Thanos is at I... Red Skull. Yeah. Oh, yeah, from um, when he drops Gamora off. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. I, 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 didn't have to, I didn't have the guts to watch it a second time. Anyway. um, Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, that's Kevin's TED Talk. But we have, some, we have uh, one more. Uh, we have the last uh, on tap for this season. So, first off... Speaking of uh, another great tight end, Vernon Davis has announced his retirement today. Arguably the first tight end in my memory that could outrun a, a defensive back. Even until his last year in the league, the dude still was explosively fast. You know, injuries kind of made him derail. I mean, maybe he might be like a last ballot Hall of, like like a – I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I think like a borderline player, but he always was a solid tight end and was a freak of nature. So my favorite memory of him was his catch from Alex Smith against the Saints when like you to go to play the Ravens at the Super Bowl that game winning catch. Yeah, like, he was like, all full of motion and everything. It was crazy. I think Vernon Davis is in the Hall of Very Good. He will never get into the Hall of Fame. Fair enough. Two time um, Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean maybe it's also because you know we we grew up playing like things like Madden where Vernon Davis was basically broken. So yeah. Also, when I saw he retired, 
my first thought was, oh, shoot, he's still in the league? Yeah, he, he's been, like, kind of sitting behind Jordan Reed and the Redskins the past, like, four years. He probably should have retired two years ago. Oh, yeah, or at least gone to a different team, or at least he could have gone, or gone, you know, gone to, like, New England where he could have actually gotten some catches. Um, uh, Celtics news, Kev. Apparently, your boys are eyeing Clint Capella for a, uh, for, with a trade with Houston, so that's uh, some good news for y'all get a big man. I think if they can get him for next to nothing, if they can get him for, like, a first-round pick and – like Cantor and maybe Wanamaker or something, I wouldn't hate it. But, I mean, the stats, Daniel Tice is better for this team. He can spread the floor, and their defensive numbers are similar. Totally. I think Capella has like .4 blocks a game, but their defensive rebound percentage is the same. Their mm-hmm. block percentage is the same. And, like I said, Tice's ability to shoot outside, okay, like reasonably well. Helps this team spread the floor more, which they want to do to run that double screen they do with Kemba and Tatum and Tice and stuff like that. But also, Capella can't play offense. True. I don't want him. He's Same like an athletic guy. big man. That's what he is. He's not really. He doesn't really have any ball skills, really. Um, and other like being... Some athletic big men can still score around the rim. He really can't unless it's a dunk, I feel. Basically. Um Finally, um, my Wolves, of course, have been in talks with Golden State for the past like three or four weeks trying to get D'Angelo Russell. Um, there's a rumor going around that the Wolves want to see the Steph D'Lo combination, but apparently uh, Minnesota is like trying to break down the door to get D'Angelo Russell because, and I think Cat's kind of swinging the batarang ram. So I don't know. Could be cool to see D'Lo and Cat play together. Their styles really work well, like as like um. D'Lo being a passer and mid-range scorer and Cat being either back to the basket or three-point shooter. So it, it would work really well, I think. How's Minnesota doing this year? They're like a couple games out of the eighth seed. They're not they've, – they've had a rough – they had a rough stretch when basically Wiggins and Towns were both out for like 10 games. But I think this is not like – this might be like, oh, we may only get the eighth seed and get smoked in the first round, but this is for next year kind of move because D'Lo just signed a new contract and Towns is two or three more years. I think they should offer Wiggins, like Wiggins in a first. Yeah, I think that might be more of the deal. I think D'Angelo, I think they want, um, what's his face, Akogi, our, uh, our really athletic defender shooting guard, to kind of like compensate for not having Clay on defense. Yeah, I mean. Because he's a streaky shooter and he can dunk on anybody and can shoot threes occasionally. The Knicks are also eyeing D'Angelo. Yeah, uh, I was reading. I was reading up on that today. Their package, the Warriors are just kind of entertaining it, but the the Knicks really can't give them anything they want. Whereas Minnesota can throw them a decent player for their bench plus a first rounder. Whereas the Knicks really are offering just hot garbage. So, yeah, they like the best they can offer would be their draft picks. Yeah, the Knicks have good draft picks, but the problem is that yeah, like I said, we just said like there's no like stuff on the bench. Oh, and uh, hockey news: the Philly police have cleared gritty. Of his alleged assault on a 13-year-old kid. Well, that's so, good. Oh, yeah. Hockey mascots at their best. Oh, who? what draft pick do you think will be better at the end of the year? The Knicks or the Timberwolves? Ooh, I don't know. Because I I don't think that would matter as much as what the picks that come with it. Because I think the Knicks pick will be better. But also now with the lottery, you know, you're never guaranteed. Yeah, because like let's say let's say Minnesota let's say okay let's say for all intents and purposes Minnesota sends player X and player B and their first round pick 
two or or there's our three players in a second rounder to D, to the Golden State for D'Lo, and or let's say they send a first rounder, but then they trade back into the first round, whatever hypotheticals. Minnesota could end up having a higher draft pick with let's say a 42 and 42 a 41 and 41 record just missing the playoffs, whereas the Knicks who finished like 20 and 62 are behind them because the draft lottery is so screwy now. I mean, I don't see the Knicks going 20 and 62. I think they're going to have a better record than that. Uh, the East is so bad. East is so top heavy. I, yeah, I, but also, I mean, Minnesota's played two less games than the, than the Knicks and have one more win to show for it. Yeah, Minnesota. I mean, that's what that's what happens when you basically have your two start your two best players out for half like for a month of the season. Yeah, but I still don't think Minnesota's going to do anything. Oh, I don't think they're going to do anything this year. I think this year was like their get. Like this year was like they're like okay, let's go get our let's go get our number two good player. Let's go get let's go like set up for next year because I think this year like, like they've been doing that for the last three yeah, years. Yeah, well they thought also Andrew Wiggins or Jimmy Butler was gonna work. Neither of them have worked. So the only one they've hit on is Towns and Levine, but they traded Levine because Tom Thibodeau was the worst GM in basketball. Um, and also, uh, so quick news before we talk about uh, final thoughts as me and Kev do a collective last call for what we're excited about for next football season. A um, couple announcements. One, um, we already have a guest coming on for our season premiere, which will be releasing on February 19th or 20th, I believe, whatever that went, that Wednesday is. Um, our old buddy from last year, Steve Peralt of Section 10, is coming back on to talk a little baseball with me and Kev. And um, he actually, you know, last year told me my D-back theory wasn't wrong and we were both right. I said they weren't going to make the playoffs, but they were going to be close and, you know, just going to ride on the Jared's right train a little longer until I'm wrong again. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a good time. We always love having Steve on the show. Uh, a couple other things. Um, my mock draft, along with Mark's and Savannah and Kev might do some too, are going to be coming out soon. I always release one post-combine. I'm excited for the combine. I have a couple of guys I've been kind of looking at. I really want to see what Henry Ruggs runs for a 40. That's what I'm excited about. And D. Hag- T. Higgins, that's the other one I want to see run. But, um, yeah, so a couple important dates for y'all. Second week of um, March, you know, free agency starts. Uh, NFL Combine is the end of February, and the draft is in May. So even though we do talk a lot of football on this podcast, trust me, me and Kev keep find ways to keep ourselves busy during the offseason. Just go back and listen to the last season's shows. We definitely kept it going. So we're, of course, going to take a two-week hiatus you know, working on a new logo, merchandising, adding some new effects, lining up guests, all the fun stuff. So, uh, and also be on the lookout for Savannah's podcast coming at the end of the month as well. So, and I will be on that. I'm her co-host, so it should be fun. All right, Kev. Uh, so last call, kick the smooth jazz. Kevin, since this is the first time you may have done a joint uh, last call, what are you excited for for next season for the NFL? I'm excited to see what the hell the New England Patriots are doing. I am too, actually. They're... I want them to bring Brady back, but also, if he wants a ridiculous amount of money, I do not want him back. I want him to say, okay, bye, have fun in Las Vegas. I just read $30 million is one of the rumors now. There, that was an initial rumor, but that came out he didn't want $30 million, but he wants them to go get weapons. So basically, he wants. Well, I ha, I could see them definitely if uh, the kid out of Colorado, the receiver, if um, if Philadelphia is able to get Higgins or uh, 
what's his face. It's but the problem is with you guys. It's there's a lot of receivers in the draft, and I was just looking at a mock draft where I think it was Bucky Brooks' newest one. Like they have Judy and C.D. Lamb falling into the teams, which would push back every receiver. So like you'd see like Rugs going to Philly and Higgins going to Buffalo, and then you still have the kid out of Colorado who's a, who's a great receiver as well, kind of a Brady-esque player. I could also see them going after a guy like uh, Smith from the um, or Robinson from the uh, Chiefs. There's a couple good receivers in the market. I think that I, I don't think if they're going to bring back Brady, they're not going to mess around this offseason. I think also isn't OJ Howard a free agent as well? I don't believe so. Somebody was telling me he was. He but might. I, be, I don't think so. Either that, I mean, either that, no. I think the Buccaneers were shopping him in the offseason. That's what I heard. So maybe I don't know. The Chiefs, the Bucks, and the uh, Patriots make a trade, and Brady gets another freak of nature tight end. Yeah, I think. I, I don't know how I feel about this wide receiver class because there are some good players, but I don't know if the Patriots are going to go out and get them. Yeah. Unless, like, intrigued. Oh, sorry, keep going. Unless AJ Green or Emmanuel Sanders will take a pay cut to play in New England. I think Sanders would. Sanders would. He said that if he went to New England in tw- a couple years ago, he'd already have a couple of rings. So he wants he to do probably it. Probably would. Yeah. Amari Cooper, I think it's worth giving a call out to him, but if he wants a ridiculous amount of money, which he will, they should let him go. Like, obviously yeah. not try to sign him. Well, here's the thing with Cooper. Cooper's situation is weird because Cooper's the only reason Dak Prescott like, made the playoffs last year. That man basically resurrected the Dallas Cowboys offense because they were anemic. Um, so I think you know it's weird with NFL offenses nowadays. Like, you can get away with having all B receivers with a, a elite, elite to very good quarterback and a great offense. But if you don't have any speed on the outside, you are in trouble. And so with Amari Cooper... He's a he's probably arguably one of the top three best route runners in the league, and he's a good deep threat as well. I think Dallas is going to mess this up because if they throw all that money at um at uh, what's his face Dak at Dak, they're not going to be able to give Cooper the money he wants, and he'll walk. He's he really has no loyalty to uh, Dallas, so understandable. Yeah, so I mean, while I'm intrigued for with this wide receiver class, I want to see the forty times of these receivers because. I, I'm looking at the comparisons. What I got with CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb's like a Des Bryant type. Like, he's big. He's got enough speed. He's a big physical receiver who occasionally can drop a pass, but it's very good in big plays. Jerry Judy, by a mile, is the best receiver in this class. Then you have the fastest man I've ever watched in a football field, not named Tyree Killer, Deshaun Jackson, Henry Ruggs. Kevin's catch and run against LSU. I'm like, who the hell is this? I texted Kevin. I'm not even kidding, guys. You can look back. If if uh, t or Verizon could find uh, my my Texans, I literally texted Kevin. I said, "Who the hell is this Rugs kid? And is he coming out in the draft? Because he basically caught a curl route and then ran and outran the entire LSU secondary, which was unbelievable. I was like watching like it was like watching the old Adrian Peterson highlight videos where he just starts pulling away from defenders. It was crazy. And also, I want to see this. I want to see Higgins and what he runs because he runs like a sub four five. I could definitely see Philadelphia taking him over Ruggs because Higgins runs amazing routes because they they don't just chuck it deep and well they don't have to with uh, with Trevor with, like he would ran a lot more complex route tree than Ruggs did because Ruggs was just so damn fast because basically with Alabama they said hey all four of you guys run straight so wait our two I I know Smith is staying for one more year Kev what about the fourth guy Waddle. Yeah, he's staying for one more year. I'm pretty sure Waddle is also saying. 
Okay, so that's two more guys. So like that, maybe for teams that can maybe get one more year out of the receiver, Waddle and Smith will be coming out next year. I have an interesting one for you in the draft before we go to next season quickly. Um, I have the Chiefs taking J.K. Dobbins in the uh, with the last pick in the first round. That was my mock draft one, only because he's more versatile than Jonathan Taylor, who a lot of people have him taking. Because he can run the ball and catch. I feel like that's more up Andy Reid's alley. He's more of a, a Westbrook shady type, less Melvin Gordon-ish, where it's what I equated Jonathan Taylor to. So, I don't know. I'm excited for the draft. This is where I get super nerdy. But um, also, um, John Ross should be sweating right now. Because Henry Ruggs ran a 4-2-5 last year at Alabama's Pro Day. And he... Like, that was right after the season, really. He was still practicing because he had to play the next, this upcoming season or last upcoming season. Yeah. I can see him beating 4 2 2. I could see him maybe running a sub. You could see him maybe running a sub 4 2. Like, ah. alleg- allegedly, Deion Sanders ran his pro day that nobody knows about, or Bo Sanders, or Bo Jackson is one of the two of them. I think it was Deion. Yeah, Deion reportedly ran a sub 4 2 at a pro day, but nobody was keeping score or something like that. It was an official workout, but. I um I could see him beating John Ross's record too, and I think that'll make his draft stock go a little bit up. I just think the problem I want to see I want to see if Ruggs can run good routes. That's what I want to see if he can cut in a dime and stop. And I also think it's kind of a weird balance of receivers. You want to make sure that they can do a lot of things, but also you got to focus on what they do well. It's the whole it's what I'm going to start calling the DK Metcalf principle. It's yeah Metcalf couldn't run. A square, a square under, a, a square out, or whatever, a square in route, or he couldn't like make all these crazy cuts. But the dude could put his foot in the ground and outrun you, and then out jump you and come down with the ball. So uh, there's a scale for that in this league. So what I'm excited for next year is I want to see Lamar Jackson's development. I want to see a healthy Philadelphia Eagles because I guarantee that training staff's already been like shipped off to. Uh, Siberia, and I want to see what happens with this Cowboys thing. Who are they letting go? Are they going to tick off Dak with the franchise tag, which apparently is inevitable? Um, I want to see um, the Super Bowl hangover from the uh, Chiefs, because apparently everyone's talking about all their Chiefs players talking about a dynasty, and I'm just waiting for old number eight to walk in there next year and smoke him in Arrowhead, because, hey, listen, if he develops as fast as he did this offseason... He'll be right back at the MVP level, and he'll be able to start throwing the ball outside, too. And I also want to see the contract that Derrick Henry gets in the offseason because that man is the only reason the Titans were relevant from mid-December, no, from the end of, from the end of November to when they got eliminated by KC. So it's going to be really cool this offseason. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hyped. I don't know if Derrick Henry's going to get as big a contract as he wants. I don't think he will either, only because there's a lot, he's a lot of miles on those tires. There's a lot of miles in those tires going back to college. Going back to high school, dude. Yeah, well, high school, he's you're bigger and faster than everyone. Yeah, true. I, I don't think that's a lot of wear and tear, really. But, I mean, you got something like... Yeah, you know, almost 400 rush attempts his senior or his junior year at Alabama. That, that was his Heisman year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that Heisman that year. I mean, yeah. it might be shorter years, but it might he still might get some serious cash out of it. Yeah, no, he will. I think he's going to get the cash he wants, just not for the years he wants. I mean, last year, too, he ran 303 times. Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to see with that as well. 
I'm excited. I, I, I uh, don't want to know what uh, the Eagles are going to do with Jordan Howard. I think they're going to let him walk because clearly they found a, 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 a three-down back in Sanders. I think just getting a, maybe a solid number two power back would be good for that offense. And they found uh, my man Boston Scott, my favorite midget. So, I mean, it's going to be a great season. Um, I'm calling it right now. The Chiefs are not going to repeat. And they're, I, I have a weird feeling the Chiefs are going to be a one-hit wonder at least for the next two years. Especially with how all these players are talking about how they're going to be a dynasty. Uh, no, there's only one dynasty, and that's proven dynasty, and that's the New England Patriots. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of these guys are probably going to be gone once they're up for massive contracts. Like, they're going to have to choose between Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Nicole Hardman, Sammy. Like, I think I don't see them sustaining this. All right. So, yeah. What I was saying was just about the loaded AFC. Did you have any comments on that? Um, I was saying how – I don't know what you got. I was saying how, like, I think some of these guys are going to be gone. Yeah. Like, Mahomes will probably stay. They'll probably give him whatever he wants. Tyreek Hill might be gone once he's up for a bigger contract. Kelsey, I, I I don't like Kelsey. I don't think he's that good. I think he's the third best tight end of football. Maybe fourth. I just with Kelsey, it's like he can't block anybody. And yeah, yeah I'm happy for him because I, I I I am a fan. I like his antics. It's kind of funny. Also, his brother is you know folk here in Philadelphia, so, you know, gotta show the love for the family. But, um, yeah, like, Chris Jones saying it's gonna be, you know, not four, not five, not seven. I'm like, don't start doing the LeBron thing. That's a death sentence. I think, and, um, I think Kelsey's like Draymond Green. He's on this explosive offense with Tyreek Hill on the outside and Nicole Hardman, who's fat, almost as fast as Tyreek, not quite as fast. Sammy Watkins, who can also fly if you take out two of them, Kelsey's not going to be as effective. Yes, he'll catch what you throw to him, but he'll be covered the rest I of the mean, time. I mean, he's still really good with Alex Smith and half these weapons. Yeah, like, but he wasn't who he is as a tight end. He wasn't like a tight. He was like a top five. He was like the he was like the best speed tight end, but he couldn't touch Ertz or Gronk, basically. Yeah, and look at um Eifert, who was a top five tight end in the league for a hot minute, and now just fell off. Yeah, basically. Um. I mean, I want to see also like how the Raiders, what are the Raiders going to be in the offseason now? Because they're talking about trying to go full send after Brady, which I think is just not going to happen. That's just not Brady's thing. He would not go to Oakland. I'm in Las Vegas. I think like yeah, the city's cool, but like that's not his brand. Like you think about the whole TB12 thing. He's trying to be all wholesome and you know small towny with it, and just you know, I just don't think Vegas is what he'd do. I could see LA Chargers. That I could see. San Diego. L.A. San Diego Chargers. No, it is L.A. Sorry, I'm dumb. Yeah, I was like, for once, I actually got it right. All year you've been saying San Diego, so I'm just used to correcting you. You're used to correcting me about a lot of things. I think this is just a tick you have now. All right. So, any final thoughts, Kev, before we sign off for Season 2? I hope Jalen Hurts gets drafted high. I hope he goes in the second round of the Patriots. Ooh, dude, I'd love to see him with Bill Belichick. That'd be fun. That'd be my dream. Yeah, Kevin would cry a little bit. He'd be texting, he'd be snapping me with a little tear in his eye, like, my boy's, my boy made it. 
I uh, I want Shaq Quarterman to go to Philly because I think he's the most underrated linebacker in this class. I, I'm worried about his 40 time at Combine though. Um, so that about wraps it up, folks. So uh, for season two, I want to thank all of our guests who came on over the past eight months. Uh, we want to thank Savannah as well, who you know was with who put up with our BS for the whole season and now has been promoted and moving on to bigger things. We want to thank Jack and David and every other guest we've had come on. So, I'm Jared. That's Kevin. Season two is out. We'll see y'all in two weeks. You forgot Mark. And Mark. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know he's sensitive. I know he's sensitive. (laughs) All right. And special appreciation to Mark who filled in twice while Kevin and Savannah were both out of commission. Mark, we love you, buddy. And you're always a member of the show even when you leave. I'm Jared. That's Kevin. Season two is done. We're signing off. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.